Welcome to the Worship Hour of Greater Design Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Murphy. It's my delight to welcome you and to express my gratitude to you being a part of our worship this morning. I want to invite you to join in the hour in which we're going to celebrate God by music and then be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. So to be a faith, sit back, relax, and I want to join you as we be blessed by the Word of God. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of our King rise among us. Let Him rise. Sing it with me, all. Rise. Let the glory rise. Let the praises.
children's moment. So if you would get all your children, bring them there to your virtual system, do me a favor. Let's come around this altar here so we can listen to the word of God for our children this morning. Let me read this brief passage for you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. Here is my point today. I want our children to know that they too can be used of God even as a child. And we're going to see that here in this brief story of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. My story begins with the Jewish priest, Zacharias, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zacharias was a member of the Abijah division of the Temple Service Corps. His wife, Elizabeth, was, like himself, a member of the priest tribe of the Jews, a descendant of Aaron. Zacharias and Elizabeth were godly folk, careful to obey all of God's law in the spirit as well as in the letter. But they had no children, for Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both old. One day, as Zacharias was going about his work in the temple, for his division was on duty that week, the honor fell to him by lot to enter the inter-sanctuary and burn incense before the Lord. Meanwhile, a great crowd stood outside in the temple court, praying as they always did during that part of the service when the incense was being burned. Zacharias was in the sanctuary when suddenly an angel appeared standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was startled and terrified. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for I have come to tell you that God has heard your prayer and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to name him John. You will both have great joy and gladness at his birth and many will rejoice with you, for he will be one of the Lord's great men. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will persuade many a people to turn to the Lord his God. He will be a man of rugged spirit and power like Elijah the prophet of old, and he will precede the coming of the Messiah, preparing the people for his arrival. He will soften adult hearts to become like little children and will change disobedient minds to the wisdom of faith. One day, a few days later, Mary hurried to the highlands of Judea to the town where Zacharias lived to visit Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a great, glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, You are favored by God above all other women, and your child is destined for great and mighty praise. What an honor that is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came in and greeted me in joy, I instantly heard your voice. My baby moved in me with joy. You believe that God would do what he said? That is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. And you, my little son, shall be called the prophet of the glorious God. 
you will be preparing the way for the Messiah. The little boy greatly loved God, and when he grew up, he lived out in a lonely wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. All of you, my Zion children, here's the lesson. No matter how young you are, God has a plan for your life. In fact, while you are young, this is the moment in which God is beginning to shape your life, just like he did John the Baptist. And in return, John grew up to be a great prophet of God. I don't know if you're going to be a prophet of God, but you will be a servant of God if you yield unto him. Be blessed today as you listen to that. Remember, my young people, keep this in your mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is God's word for you today. Amen.
get your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We preached this same text on last Sunday, and we preached under the title, Help, I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up. Today, I want to continue that same thing. This is part two, and I'm trying to press three particular points in reference to what the letter of 1 John means to us as contemporary Christians. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Help, I fall and I can't get up. Part two. Three things I want us to understand and rejoice about this letter of first John. One, this letter is a letter of relief. It's a letter of relief because it reminds us in its verbiage that even when we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it is not the end of our relationship or our walk with God. Secondly, this letter, 1 John, is a reminder that the blood of Jesus covers and offers forgiveness. Both the previous point and this point can find its root in verse 8 of the first chapter. Here's what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. That's critical. It's critical because it should help you who feel guilty because you've fallen short of God's expectation that you can no longer serve or be used by God. And John makes it clear in this letter that you've got relief because of Jesus. You've got the forgiveness because of Jesus. And then John says, it only requires repentance because of Jesus. Once again, in verse 8, if I confess, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. Let me make several critical statements about this letter in 1 John. First of all, the great theme to remember is that of fellowship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. That is the overall objective in John's writing of this letter. John parallels this letter with his own writing in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, particularly verses 1 through 11. It is there where John highlights this term that only he uses. We call it a Johannine term. It's the word abide. It's the word abide, which means living in Christ, walking in Christ experiencing the victorious power of Christ. But in 1 John, I mean in John's Gospel, chapter 15, listen 
to what John says in reference to what great glory it is to abide in Christ. Verse 2 of John's Gospel, chapter 15. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he proves it that it may bear more fruit. In other words, the walk in God will certainly be one of testing and one of trying and one that God permits certain things to happen. And many of those opportunities are pruning opportunities. That means that God is purging out of us that which keeps us from becoming fully of what he intends for us to be in him. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Catch that, because John once again makes clear by being in Christ, it's the word of God that has already given you freedom and given you cleansing. You need only to claim the victory and the power of the blood that will set your life free and put you back on the road of restoration. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Hear John's words, that word abide, living in Christ. You can't be prosperous, you can't be victorious, you can't overcome that issue that keeps posing as a temptation to you unless you abide in Christ. Here's the second statement I want to make. John further shows us that as we go forward in this walk with God, we should understand that even when we fall into a temptation or sin, that does not make our position hopeless. It doesn't make us hopeless. Why? Chapter 2, verse John, verse 1 says, we have an advocate who through an atoning work has provided for us not only eternal life, but existential hope in the now. So even though I fall in the blood of Jesus, my advocate who stands on behalf of me before the throne of God, whenever there is accusation by evil in the enemy, he pleads my case because I'm covered in the blood. That's shouting news right there. Here's the third statement. John tells us that Christian life is just that. It's a life. It's not an intellectual ascent to a doctrine. It's a practical interpretation and application of life. A life that has an interruption called sin. Remember earlier weeks I called it kryptonite. That interrupts our fellowship with God. And so we have to deal with it very carefully. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't ignore it. When there is this habit, when there is that which keeps you from having intimate fellowship with God and which robs you of your peace, you have to deal with it. That's what John is telling us. And right here in verses 3 through 6 of 1 John chapter 2, he makes clear to us that we not only have to deal with it, but he says if you feel hopeless, if you don't understand this concept that John says about knowing 
Jesus, as well as what happens when we are disobedient, and disobedient wins over obedience, we end up being defeated. And yet John says, you have no reason to feel hopeless, because in Christ, you can be set free, mended back together, and put back on the road of restoration. Here's another statement. Christian life is not absent from sin, deliberate or not. In fact, as I read in 1 John 1, verse 8 through 10, it is clear that it's there, but it's not a license to sin. It doesn't suggest that we have the right to engage whatever behavior we desire, particularly if it's contrary to the work and word of God. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Why? Because in looking at one another, we are intended to be able to view the image of Christ in each of our lives. Paul says, yes, you have the freedom to make your mind to decide what you desire to do, but don't take that for granted. Remember, we are images of God himself, and as a result of that, we ought to walk in him as Christ has walked. Here's the final statement. To deal with our life, John imparts his personality as the philosophical theologian that he is, by the use of those favorite words that he used both in his gospel and in this letter. First word is know. He says, whereby we know. Second word is abide, as we saw in John 15, but he plays on these other words like keep and walk or walking. And I sense that John is using these terms as a concern that his hearers not merely know the gospel, but must work it out in their lives, moving from mere theory to practice, living out their faith from doctrine to application. Most critical is John's term that he uses, know him or to know. That intimate personal relationship that he's talking about with Christ provides in verses three through six, assurance. It gives us assurance. See the use of the word in verse three, to know him. See the use of the word in verse four, know him. Verse five, we know. And then in verse six he says, now that we know, let's walk in the same manner as Christ has walked. We sing blessed assurance, Jesus is mine because we should be assured, certain of our relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. But even in my assurance of my life in Christ, I'm still agonized as I read this text by what John says in verse 4. I have come to know him, and if I don't keep his commandments, I'm a liar, and the truth is not in me. That's heavy. That's difficult to embrace. That's a burden. And then he says in verse 5, whoever keeps his word, the love of God is perfected in him, and we know him. 
If I would stop like that, I would be laden with a guilt trip. I would be convicted that my journey is over once I've fallen down and can't get back up. But John helps me in verse 6 by the use of a single word. He uses what we call an auxiliary verb in verse 6. And listen to what he says. The one who says he abides in him. Here's the word, ought. Ought. Ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Here's what John is saying. He's using a synonym, and the synonym is the opposite of must, but here's the great meaning of the word ought, had better do. In other words, John says, it's in your best interest to follow in obedience instead of yielding to your flesh and end up being disobedient. So there's four things I'm going to tell you that we can do to at least help us remain faithful and obedient in walking in this Christian life in the manner as Christ has walked. First thing is, focus to walk like him. Focus to walk like him. In other words, concentrate on walking as Jesus walked. Stay in control. In Mark chapter 4, there is this story that Jesus is illustrating to us as the disciples are out on the sea and a storm arises. And what the disciples does is permit the storm to grab control of their life and they end up operating in fear. Read that story closely and you'll discover that Jesus is just like the disciples on the boat experiencing the same storm, being drenched by the same waves and yet Jesus never awakens from his sleep. It's because Jesus knew that he was always in control. And when they called on him, he comes up to the deck and looks at the storm and says, Peace, be still. Because his focus is on getting to the other side with the disciples. I'm simply trying to tell you, stay focused on walking like Christ. And you do that by staying in control of your life. Making sure that you're walking in obedience and following through in the word of God and being directed by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3, 2 says it this way, set your mind on the things that are above in Christ. Focus on that which brings glory to your life that it revolves and involves the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do that and when temptation comes, or when you yield and fall, focus back on your Savior, who has not only cleansed you, but forgiven you. Focus on your walk with God. There's a second thing. Fight to walk like Him. Not only focus to walk like Him, but fight to walk like Him. Fight for your faith. So you've fallen short, so you've fallen down, fight to get back up. 
So go through the Bible and look at the fighting soldiers, those men and women who refused to give up in the face of not only wickedness, but the suggestion of fear. Samson. Samson may be considered a failure because of how his life ended, but Samson was a fighter. He was victorious because Samson knew who he was and he always focused on the objective he had in mind. I'm trying to tell you, fight for your faith because it's not just going to be there in terms of easiness for you to experience it. You gotta fight when you talk about walking like Christ walked. And I want you to know today that no matter how hard or how difficult of a fall that you've experienced, you've got to fight in you. Fight like David. No one else wanted to encounter the bigness, the largeness, and the suggested victoriousness of Goliath except David. What was in him was a big fight. And that fight was determined that if the same God who delivered me from the bear and the lion if he's with me, is the same God who gives me the fight to defeat this giant. That issue in your life is a giant right now, and I'm here to tell you, you can't defeat him unless you ask God to give you the power to fight. And you already have it in you. You've got to utilize the weaponry that you have. Focus to walk like him. Fight to walk like him. Here's the third thing. Fortify to walk like him. In other words, strengthen your fortress. Strengthen your boundaries around you. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4 and 7. Spend your energy and time in the exercise of keeping yourself spiritually fit. That's the New Living Translation. That's Paul's way of telling young Timothy, you have got to fortify yourself by surrounding yourself with people who believe in prayer, with people who trust the word, with people who will have their best interest, with people who will intercede for you. You've got to fortify yourself in a context of being protected by the things of God. And when you do that, when the enemy comes, the enemy can't break through because not only is the presence of God all around you, but then the power of God is manifesting itself in the context of your fortification. Focus to walk like Him. Fight to walk like Him. Fortify to walk like Him. Here's the fourth thing. Function to walk like Him. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 6, Paul tells us that every one of us have a special gift, a calling, a something in terms of what God wants us to do. And sin can throw you off your game. It can cause you to believe that you're not only not usable of God anymore, but that no one will be able to experience the gift that you have because of the stain of sin. I challenge you to read through the Bible and recognize Romans 3.23 and 
every biblical character that God gives, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and there's none righteous, no, not one. And yet when they fall, they focus to get back up, they fought to get back up, they fortified themselves to remain in that relationship with God, and they continue to function. Case in point, David. Although David was the king of Israel, and he had that awful experience of becoming not only an adulterer, but a murderer in killing your wife. And yet God still used him. He still used him. He paid the price. There are times when there are consequences for our choices. That doesn't mean that God's not going to use you anymore. And if you're not careful that of those who are in the religious tradition who will argue that once you've fallen short of God's glory, depending on the kind of sin it is you are done, you're through, then that's not necessarily true. Maybe your assignment will change, but you're not through in terms of God's usage. Because God has the ability when we've shown up showed out to restore that which has fallen. And so he allows us under his anointing to function in the manner that he wants us to function because he's given us a gift to be used for his glory. The walk motif that John uses is critical for he follows in the footsteps of Bible history. Remember what Genesis chapter 5 says? Enoch walked with God. Remember what Genesis chapter 6 says? Noah walked with God. Remember what Genesis chapter 17 says? Abraham walked before God. And then we get to the New Testament and Jesus says, He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8, 12. Paul comes along and says in Ephesians 5, 8, you were once in darkness, but now that you are in light, walk like children of light. So in other words, the Bible makes clear, and John is underscored, whatever you do, when you fall, focus to get yourself back up off the ground. Fight like you never fall. Fortify, strengthen yourself. Learn, saturate, internalize the word of God. And get back on your joy, your joy and your journey to function as Christ desires for you to do. Remember, the Christian life is a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And in running this marathon, this journey, you're going to suffer injuries. You're going to run out of energy. You're going to bump into some other people. You're going to fall. Prayerfully, there will be others there to help you get back up. And in return, we help one another when we fall. And then we learn we can get back.
matter who you are, where you are, where you fall, you can get back up where you are now. Father, I thank you for this chance to which we had to expound this word once again. We pray now that if there's somebody listening to this moment, that their life would begin anew from this moment forward, that they will never be the same. That they'll begin to recognize that they do not have to stay in their condition or in the posture that they're in. But they will rise to walk in the newness of life. Save that soul that calls me your name today. We'll give you the glory and the honor for all who you are. But we ask it in Christ's name. We often extend this invitation to life and we do so because we want everyone to have an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus Christ. And here is all the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. And if thou confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. That's how simple salvation is. But with the mouth, confession is made, but with the heart, Man believes unto righteousness. John 3, 16 says, God so loved you so much that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what we're telling you today. Believing in Christ, I want to tell you, not only gives you everlasting life, but gives you sustaining life as well. If you make that decision, we'd love to hear from you. Make a phone call to our church and let us know how I made a decision to trust Christ today to give us a chance to get in touch with you. And we'd love to have you become a part of our fellowship. I'd love to be your pastor. We'd love to be your church family. We invite you to do that. Examine where you are that you might be victorious in Christ. Now, for those of us who are members and friends, thank you so much for being so supportive of the ministry here at Greenwood Zion. We appreciate your times and offerings, and we invite you, as we always do, after this service to make sure that you may go to your phone and text your tithes and offerings by way of texting in your phone or you may go to the church website by way of e-giving to make sure that you give on the website or you may mail your offering to us as well. We greatly appreciate all the support that you do. Always remember that God loves you and so do I. I want you to continue to have a blessed one of our journey in the Lord. Now it's time for us to go before the Lord uh, that we may take participation in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup in our holy communion. So get your elements together right now. And we're going to come to the altar and have this moment whereby we're breaking the bread together in Jesus' name. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for this chance in which we come together to break bread at this table. Bless each of us as we gather around in this special moment in which we take of this bread and drink of this cup. For it reminds us of that which you have given for us. For we do this in remembrance of you. So Lord, forgive us and give us a chance to make things right. But as we come to this table, we do so not only in remembrance of you,
but in the form of righteousness for your name's sake as well. Bless our time together as we partake in Holy Communion. We'll give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus took bread and he looked unto heaven and gave thanks for it, and then he gave it to his disciples as they did eat together. Let us eat together. Likewise, it said that he took the cup, looked unto heaven, and gave thanks for it, and then gave it to his disciples. As they did drink together, let us drink together. When they had concluded, they sung a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. We invite you in this virtual moment to begin to sing the hymn that blesses your heart. And once again, we extend our greatest gratitude for having the chance to break bread with you in this moment of Holy Communion. Have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord. Be blessed until we meet again. Amen. Let the glory rise. Let the glory of the Lord rise. Let the praises of our King let Him rise. Oh, oh, oh. let Him rise. Friend. Yeah.